I know you want it all. You want success at work, the perfect house, and of course, the perfect family, and money to afford all of this. Then the reality hits, and things don't go according to the plan. But imagine being a mom that others' moms are talking about and asking, how does she do it all? How does she have it all? Imagine things getting taken care of without you asking more than once. Imagine letting your true self shine and inspiring others. Imagine having a home, a sanctuary that you love and you're proud of. So let's start that journey to the life that you always wanted. My guest today is Sasha Morozov, a former executive who holds a master's in social work and is the founder of Sasha X Home. When Sasha isn't chasing after her two sons, she utilizes her clinical skills to coach women who are killing it at work but feel like they are failing at home to have more time, less clutter, and systems to a peaceful life. Sasha believes that working moms are exceptional human beings who are skilled, devoted, and unstoppable. You and I know that making smart financial decisions can be challenging, but in 21st century, financial freedom is no longer just for the 1% wealthy. It is for you and me. The question is, how do we find time, avoid making painful mistakes, and find the best resources to help us reach our financial goals? Join me on my journey helping busy families figure out how they can gain financial confidence and clarity, get actionable tips, and learn from the best experts on how to stop trading time for money. It is now the time you started living your best financial life. My name is Anna Sergunina, and welcome to the Money Boss Podcast. Money bosses, are you ready to get your financial life in order? Once and for all, as soon as possible? Are you tired of living paycheck to paycheck? Do you often lose track of how much money you have to spend? Do you want to get your financial life together but just don't quite know how? I am with you, I've been there, I've struggled through all of these. And I know you owe it to yourself. You owe it to yourself to get better. So why do you continue to struggle? I know you can get your own money in order. It took me years to figure out. It took me years of pain, struggle, frustration, anger. But you don't have to go through all of that. You don't even have to get a financial planning degree like I did in order to be successful. Allow me to present to you my Money Flow system, a free playbook of how you can automate your finances, even if you hate budgeting. After you download this free playbook, you will never have to worry about budgeting and who likes that budgeting thing anyway. You will stop accumulating debt and create a bulletproof plan of how to quickly pay it off. You will be able to pinpoint exactly what your income and expenses are. You will never have to miss a single bill again. And you will always, always have a solid idea of how much money is in each of your accounts. So head over to money-flowsystem.com to download my free Money Flow Playbook, a blueprint to streamline your finances in less of five weeks. Guaranteed. Head over to money-flowsystem.com.
Hey, Money Bosses, Annie's here and welcome back to the Money Boss Podcast. I'm so excited for today's conversation because truly, I think we have focused quite a bit um, here um, at the Money Boss Podcast on topics that are definitely money-oriented, which is what we're supposed to talk about, but more um, with the in- angle of how and what you know decisions and how do you become better in your career and if you run a business. But today's guest is going to take a completely different um, conversation and an angle is and really focus on how do we create a home that we truly love and it reflects who we are. So first of all, Sasha, I want to welcome you to the show. Hi, everybody. Oh my gosh, Anna, I'm so excited for our conversation. Let's get started. Yes, me too. So let's kick kick this off by, I'd love uh, for you to share and um, uh, our audience to get to know you is why did you become interested in in, in, you know, in this particular topic? I know a little bit about your background and yeah, just kind of how all of these pieces came together. Absolutely. So let me tell you, I am a woman that I've always been in a career I love. I have my master's in social work. I've been working nonprofit field for 15 years. I climbed the corporate ladder. I'm living the dream. And at the same time, when I was coming home, I was killing it at work. But I felt like I was failing at home. I was coming home. I felt like it was a second shift of work. I felt like everyone's going to argue about something the second that I walk in. The chores aren't done. And I looked around and guess what? Everybody else was in the same boat. When I tried to talk to my friends, they were saying, well, yeah. I'm like, do you have free weekends? And they're saying, no, what do you mean? Like we have kid activities or we have this and everything needs to get done. And that's when I said, wait a minute, how is it that I've worked so hard? I've worked all all my life and now that I'm in a position of where I have more choices, I'm not taking advantage of those opportunities because I feel so overwhelmed and so drained by the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So that's really when I transitioned into coaching. That's really when I said, enough. I got my life together. And because I've been working for so many years, doing this and helping others. Now I said, this is the perfect time. I am here to build a community of working moms who love their lives at home. Yeah, I I love that. It resonates with me so much because of what you just described. It's like you put so much, especially as as I think our society has shifted and and both you and I come from a culture um, and part of the world where perhaps you were expected to have kids earlier, which I didn't. I had I had Liam when I was in my mid thirties, so very much into my career, right? Very much into my business, and so it's like you've had, at least for me personally, I've had this baby, right? Now all of a sudden, this real baby shows up, and like, and the whole life changes. So, you know, what comes to mind is this work-life balance conversation, right? And I've I've never even thought about that. Like, there's not been that point where like, all right, what's the balance? It's sort of like, you've got to figure out, like that's the motto is like, you've got to figure out all of these pieces. So, but I think it's been more pressure on all of us, not just me personally and professionally, especially over the last few years with COVID and having to work at, you know, uh, remotely and at home. So I'd like, I know you have a particular viewpoint on this, but let's let's address why you really don't like this term of work-life balance. Yes. And before we jump into that, I just want to acknowledge something that you said that is something I always talk about is the fact that as working women, by the time today that we are having children, it's a little bit later on in life. So what that means is that we're stepping out for maternity leave or however long you take to stay at home 
with having much more responsibilities. So that transition back to the office as well looks very different versus years and years and years ago where moms may not have even entered the workforce until their kids were already school age and going back. So we have to understand that society is still looking at us as those past moms, while today's reality looks very different. But moving on to the work-life balance, oh my gosh, let me tell you <laughs> that to me, when we talk about work-life balance, I imagine this woman that's juggling home, life, kids, modern woman, the partner, all the chores. And it's just like the balls, like one ball goes up, then the next ball, then the next ball, and then the next ball. But that doesn't work for me because we don't give equal time to every single thing because that's not life. We're not robots. It doesn't work of nine to five work and five to 10 home and 10 hours of sleep and do it all over again. The way I like to look at it is instead of this juggling act is a pendulum that sometimes we sway one way because work needs us. And that's the reality. Sometimes you have clients, you have a supervisor, colleagues, whoever that need you and work is going to be a little bit more dominant in your life versus sometimes a child gets sick or you need your own space or something is going on where you spend more time with your family and your life at home. And what I'm saying is that's okay because the pendulum is going to swing. It's going to swing in one direction. Let's say it's the work direction, but then it's going to swing back in the other direction for the home. So when we look at it that way, we can let our shoulders down. We don't have to feel so guilty about having a little bit more time at work because we're saying, this is what I need to do right now. And that's it. I, I like that. You know, one of our other guests I had in the past mentioned work-life integration, uh, you know, around um, this, this topic of like, there's like really hard to have this balance. So you like integrate all of the things that you love to do right into your life. And so I'm like, yeah, I think that sticks with me. So you mentioned something that I, I, I want to further kind of expand on, but this, if this pendulum swings right from one side to the, to, to the other, like, why do we still carry, um, I'll speak for myself, but why, why do I still feel this feeling of guilt that, okay, you know, I could have a lot more flexibility in my schedule, right? I'm a business owner. I could arrange my life around, you know, that to spend more time with my son. But yet I sort of personally kind of still stick to the traditional schedule, you know, client, client work, business, running up the business and my son is in daycare. So even though I know there's that opportunity and flexibility, yet I sort of still sort of kind of continue on this path and then feel guilty. Like, hey, I can take an afternoon off, but I choose to work. So help me kind of work through that uh, guilty feeling. Of loving, I guess loving or paying more attention or, you know, or putting more energy into the career business, or I shouldn't say that, but, you know, kind of uh, more focused on that uh, during my, you know, nine to five hours. Yes. And that's also because let's, let's think about just how we mentioned earlier, we're having children later on in life. So that means that we've gotten into our ebbs and flow. If you're returning back to a job that you were at before, this is something I also talk about often, which is that most of the time we're so reactive and we're just saying, okay, I'm just going to do the same thing, same thing, same thing, because that's what's expected. I've been at the same company, all of this. And we just get into a pattern. But when we take the time to just think about, okay, but what is it that I really want? Like, that's what I'm saying. And that's what I do in my one-on-one -on -one coaching, which is really looking at it proactively, looking at it as, okay, where I have all of these opportunities. I have all of these choices. 
What do I really want to do? And again, it's okay if you want to work eight hours a day. It's okay if right now you're saying, okay, I would love to spend more time, but I still have things that need to get done. We all have things that need to get done. And I don't make anyone feel guilty or anything. What I do is make it realistic and say, okay, if the eight hours is a priority, let's look at the other time. What could we do with that time as well? Because the whole guilty thing, you're putting much more weight on yourself. Because I'm sure if you ask your child when he comes home from the daycare, are you doing, how was your day? They'll just be like, great. But we're the ones that are sitting there worrying about, did I keep him in daycare? Am I the last parent to pick them up? I don't want to be the last parent because I want to make sure, you know, he doesn't feel sad. Even if you are the last parent, I've been there. I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to pick him up. And he's like, totally fine. We do it to ourselves. And that's where I say, take a deep breath understand that it's just because it's been a pattern and then take a look and think, okay, but what is it that you really value? And what do you really want to do? Because if you've always worked 10 hours in your whole career, not just going to say, you know what, I want to spend more time. So I'm just going to log off. Guess what's going to happen? The kid's going to go to bed and you're going to log back on. So instead of that cycle, Let's get into a place of where we're really thinking about values and how to incorporate it by small steps at a time. Yeah, I think you, you're kind of hitting it on the nail in terms of the value, because yes, you're right, like by, by a certain age, right? I think I, there's something around age 35 that happens, I think, to us as humans. It's like, we've, I think our brains are fully developed, our, our habits have been set. So by then, especially like for me, that's when Liam was born, like, hey, I am who I am, right? So it's a, a lot harder to change those habits and routines, um, yet you are forced to. So yes, you're absolutely right. Like if you're if you're trying to make that adjustment, right? Or it's like if you're if you're feeling guilty or having those thoughts throughout the day when your child is in you know in, in daycare or in school, well, you pick them up early. Now you start feeling guilty that you're not working. <laughs> so it's like yes. this ongoing cycle. So focusing on, yeah, I mean maybe we can expand on that values uh, mm-hmm. point that you've made. Like how do you decide or how do you even begin to think about like what's valuable, what's important to me at this point in my life. Yes. Number one, I would say that things change. So what may be valuable right now may not be as valuable, let's say when they're in school versus daycare or when they're this versus that or when they have extracurricular activities. There's so many things. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, the one question I always ask is, why, why is it not okay to be a successful career woman? Why is it not okay to say, I need, I love what I do and it's a priority for me. I'm good at it. I know what I'm doing and I'm successful. Why are we not owning that? Because I know for a lot of partners out there, they're owning it. They don't feel guilty. They come home and they spend time and they feel they're great partners, dads, whoever, and that they're killing it at the office. Why do we put it on ourselves for somehow kind of say that it's not okay for us to love our career, that we have to love being a mom. You can love both or you can love one or the other. And guess what? Maybe as the child gets older or when the child is younger, one will outweigh the other. That pendulum will outweigh the other. And that's okay too. So when you're looking at it that way and giving yourself permission to say, I am a successful career woman 
And that is important to me. Or even just the fact of saying, you know what? My family needs financial support at this point. So whether I love it or not, this is what I'm doing. When we kind of own that, then we're able to make choices of going forward of how we utilize our time, knowing that this time is sacred for work and everything else we're going to have to be okay with, or even, not even okay with, but figure out what do we want that time to look like. Sasha, you broke off for a second. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> That's okay. We can edit this out. Okay. I think um, I think I heard you say, or um, I heard you say, uh, it's okay to sort of have that phase, and if it's okay at home, uh, maybe kind of repeat that. Oh goodness. <laughs> I can start from the beginning. Would that be easier or no? No. Yeah, let's just let's just kind of end up with that. So okay, I'll I'll, I'll add it out where it's sorry. Um, that's okay. No, it's it's internet connections. So all right. So if we know that that's a phase and we know that the pendulum will shift from one side to the next, and it's okay to feel to have these feelings at times. So how do we then set up the environment at home and how do we create that home that, you know, that there's the, 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 the sayings that you can put on your, you know, you can quote so you can find online is like home is where your heart is, right? So talk a little, a little bit about what it takes to really create that home um, that you really, truly, truly love. Absolutely. So listen, I love that you do this podcast and you talk about finances because one of the biggest things I always say is the fact that home ownership, or even if you're renting, it's one of the biggest financial investments you will ever make. So if it's one of the biggest investments we ever make, why do we not have a space that we love? Why do we not have a space that we feel is our sanctuary? That doesn't mean you have to have a $5 million home just <laughs> to have a beautiful space. What that means is I want every woman to walk in through that door, be able to kick her feet up and relax. So how do we do that? So number one is taking a look at the space. I think that what, as career women, we're the ones that are natural caretakers. We're the ones that try to just do everything at home. So when we come through the door, it's like, what needs to be done? What needs to be done? What needs to be done? Versus coming through the door and having a space for ourselves. It's one of the biggest tips that I always give is where can you create a space for yourself? Because we also need time to transition to being home. We also need time, a space where we can just be ourselves at the end of the day. So that could be as simple as literally having like an oversized chair, a candle, a side table, a lamp, a blanket, some books, just a space where we can relax. Because when you come home, if you're able to just go to even that space for five minutes, you're able to be rejuvenized. You're not now starting on the reactive, you're starting on the proactive. And just literally taking a look at our space. So with our space, think about it. What does your family look like and spend time in your home doing? Because if you're a family that has formal dinners, I want to make sure you have a formal dining room, right? But so many of us have a dining room table that never gets used. So I say, what else can we use that space for? It doesn't mean that you just get rid of it and you have an empty room, but maybe you do if you have little kids running around. I can tell you we have like an open concept home. And on one side of our like living room, we have the couch and TV, but on the other side, 
We have a basketball hoop. Why? Because we have two boys and they love to run around. And that basketball hoop gets used every single day. So just run around. It's not a huge one. It's like a seven foot one, but they just run around and play basketball. I could have that as a sitting area, as my second living room or whatever, but it gets so much more use by having being a basketball hoop. So it's just really about how, what, what do you want it to look like? And thinking about the living space, I hear a lot of times of people saying, you know, I really want to spend more time as a family for us. So I say, is your house set up that way? If you want, if you're a type of family that loves board games, let's make sure those board games are out and they're not just like in some closet far away, that they're right there. So in the living room, so anytime somebody sits down, they could just grab it. And our bedrooms, our bedrooms should be a sanctuary where we rest. A lot of times our bedrooms end up being like a hot spot for like things that we don't want others to kind of see and we just throw in there or our closets. And that's what I come in and say, that's just taking so much out of you. It takes so much more time to find an outfit if you have 20 million things in your closet versus if you're going through that closet every six months or so. So that way you see, oh, this I haven't even worn. I don't even know where I got it from. So there's so many simple, simple ways like that. I love that. Um, I, I particularly resonate with you about uh, the the dining table or the, 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 the dining room. And so luckily in our home, we have similar setup where it's like dining room kind of transitions to the kitchen. So. Um, but, you know, with my son still being, you know, very little, it's like kind of have to watch him or want to watch him wherever he's playing. And so I have sort of um, dining, not a formal dining room, kitchen, you know, kitchen table slash dining. And then all the toys are kind of like, you know, scattered. Around. And that's okay, too. Like that, that type of environment is good for all of us, because then we can all spend time as a family as doing certain things, eating, cooking, playing, and all of that. So Yes, very much kind of adopted that and totally okay with not having a fancy dining table. I tell you. <laughs> yes, and that's the thing. It just whatever works for your family. Maybe there's a time where that dining table will be more meaningful because as they grow up, I can tell you my dining room, it's similar. We have Legos. That's our Lego spot because I don't want Legos like everywhere on the floor or tripping on them. So instead, that's where they do Legos and all of the other like arts and craft projects and everything. And we have it there. That's where it is because that's what we use it for versus like a perfectly set table and then things that they actually use end up in 20 million areas in the home. Yeah. Have you heard more? And I'm sure you probably from coaching clients that you work with, I know probably there's more objection now because we are forced, we were forced, uh, forced to go and work remotely, work from our homes. That changed dynamic quite a bit, right? Like if you had a family, somebody had to be parked in the uh, bedroom. Somebody had to be parked in the living room with their computers because you were all day on, on call. So how, how to still manage? Cause I, I don't think the pandemic is quite, quite over yet. Even if it's not over, I am telling you, I have heard so many women say, I cannot imagine going back to the office. People mm. love the flexibility. People mm. love the freedom. But I do agree that we just kind of set up shop when, wherever we could. And now two years in, I'm saying, that's great for a temporary office, but where's your permanent one? 
Mm. It's no longer okay to just work at the dining room table unless you're really making the dining room table your office and you're good with that and you're good with an open space or without having a closed door. Think about what is it that you value? Because I know for me, I like a closed space when I'm working. I like to make sure that I have a desk and I can't just work at a couch. I can for little things, but a lot of times what I try to recommend is time blocks. So if you know that you need X or Y to be able, or you have a deadline or you're writing, make sure just for those time blocks that you're in a space where you can get it done. And even if that means not being an, in your home, that's okay too. So maybe every Tuesday and Thursday, you're at the coffee shop because you know that 8 to 10 or 8 to 12, you need to get X, Y, Z done and you need a different environment. And I'm saying that's okay. You, that doesn't mean that, oh, now you need to change everything at home. It's just thinking about one, what you need and two, where your energy level is at as well. Because if you're a morning person, then you're going to be much better at getting it done in the morning. So what do the mornings look like in your home? If everyone's trying to get out the door and they're out the door by eight and you can start, great. But if your morning looks like that you have a younger child, you're waiting for the nanny or whatever, then you're not going to be able to start till later on. So knowing that that's where your energy is, how can you adjust your lifestyle to that as well? Yeah, I, I, I love that. And I think very much agree with the rest of the world that that flexibility of not having to be in the car for two hours, particularly you live in LA, I live in the San Francisco Bay Area, traffic is horrific. So yeah, no, I'd rather not do that. Um, and have to, you know, have to spend my time elsewhere and totally okay to work from the living room for a while <laughs> to accomplish that freedom. I'd love for you to share. Um, I know you developed a program that helps women kind of set up all of the things that we're talking about. So let's go through that and just address, I know we talked a little bit about home, but there's other areas too. So it's not just, it's not just the physical space. There's more to that. Yes. So what I've seen is that we come home and there's so many areas. So I've developed a four-step method, which is first focusing on self. We kind of touched upon it as well. But what I would say is for me, the way I really coach is talking about the positives versus the negatives. Because what I see a lot of times is that women come and say, okay, but I don't want to do this. I don't want to be on social media. I don't want, I want to this, this, and that. I don't want yelling at the home. And I say, okay, but how, what's something you do like already, you already have, and how can we increase it in yourself? Because if you're feeling guilty, what other qualities are you feeling and what other qualities are you bringing to the table that we can work on? Because when you do something positive and do more of the positive things for yourself, then you already are closing out the negative stuff. You're already, you don't have time for the negative stuff. You don't have time to scroll on social media if you're already focusing on the positive and doing more things for yourself that you already enjoy. So that's really more about the self, the self-discovery. And then as where we talked about the home and just taking a look, what do you want it to look like? And again, a lot of times it does talk about decluttering. Why? Because I think we just all naturally have a lot of stuff. That's okay. I'm not going to make you throw everything in the middle of the living room and say if you love it or get rid of it. No, that method may work for some people, but not everybody else. So that's where the one-on-one -on -one comes in and saying, okay, 
What room do you really want us to focus on? And how can we make sure that room fits exactly what you're looking for? And we also talk about relationships because if you're gonna love your life at home, guess what? The kids and if you have a partner should play a huge role in that. And I also wanna make sure that you're not the only one doing everything at home. So I help navigate those conversations because I truly believe for those that have a partner that the partner wants to help they just don't know how, or they just may, you may tell them, well, I need you to take out the garbage. And to them, garbage is not a priority. It doesn't bug them the way that it bugs you. So we talk about all that and we figure out areas and ways that we can make sure that you're not the only one doing everything at home. And you're having those proactive conversations and setting people up for success. Because guess what? If the garbage is triggering you, don't ask your partner or kids to be in charge of the garbage. I see it all the time. They're like, well, they can do it. I'm like, that's great. But if you don't allow them to do it on their time and then you're going to nag them about it, you're just wasting so much energy in my book because I'd rather you pick something else that's not triggering to start off and see, have them see the success and be able to feel like a part, more of a part of the home and work towards the garbage conversation, then just be frustrated again because it's probably not your first time asking your partner or whoever to take out the garbage in the first place. So we talk a lot about that. And then to me, only then, when you've done the work about yourself, your home and relationship, to me, that's the foundation for habits. Because a lot of times we just jump in. We say, tomorrow, I'm going to get up. I'm going to run a mile. I'm going to run a mile every other day for the next three months. I'm going to do a marathon. But if you don't have a solid foundation of why you're doing it, you, don't, you haven't taken the time to really work through all of that, you're more likely to fail. And I don't want women to fail. That's why we leave the habits for last and make sure that when we get there, that it's setting them up for the system that works for them and making sure what happens a lot of times is that we look back and we say, oh, wait, we already are doing these things because we've covered them in the other areas and now it's just putting it all together. So that's really what I love to do. It's my signature program and that's what it looks like. Yeah, I love it. I, I, I feel like there's definitely a lot of mindset work that goes into all of this. The rest will sort of follow, like you said, and, and, and kind of, because yes, I think a lot of us get excited, like I am going to do this and I'm committed and then halfway there somewhere. And I can see this all, all, all day long too with, with clients who like, okay, at the beginning of the year, we have this rush of, I'm going to get my finances organized finally, New Year's resolutions in it. And it kind of dies down by, you know, mid spring or sort of slows down. It, you know, there's, there's people who kind of can force through and, 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 and you'll continue. But yes, I, I, I love the mindset work. It's a lot of it is definitely inside. And so um, something, something funny that you, well, funny, something interesting you said that um, resonated with me a lot is the taking of the trash and somehow it's always assumed <laughs> it's the man supposed to do it. But in my family, I'll just share this because I think it's kind of interesting dynamic. Um, uh, my father-in-law is responsible for that, even though we don't live together. And it's, I mean, my husband does take out the trash. I don't, it doesn't bother me. So it's like not a trigger, but when he's around and he's around quite a lot, quite a lot to help with Liam and, and everything else, he's the one that just like goes for the trash. <laughs> so it's like, all right, I like it. Thank you very much. So 
um, and I'm sure that's probably coming from my mother-in-law kind of uh, pushing him, take out the trash, take out the trash. So, <laughs> you I know, love that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's the, you know, the women versus man responsibilities, but I, I, you know, maybe it's a phase for me too, but I think getting your kids involved in a lot of the, the, the home responsibilities, right, is, is a one way to first teach them these things, but then it's, it's a fun thing to do it together. So I, yes. I think anytime, I know my three-year-old son doesn't, I mean, he does clean. I mean, he helps to clean. He can do, you know, he can get, you know, on a step stool and, and get in the sink and start washing dishes or rinsing. So things like that are definitely where you create that more of, hey, this is the stuff we do together as a family. Um, so I'm sure you have older kids and you probably have more experience or examples <laughs> on that. Absolutely. And that's, that's a good tip I would love to share as well, is the fact that when they see that it's just part of the schedule, when they see that this is just the family thing we do, is that everybody has their own responsibility. I can tell you at my house, we do a meeting and we say, okay, who's going to hear the things that need to get done for the house? I have an older one that's old enough to pick for himself. So he says, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to take the mail and I'm going to make sure my laundry is done. Great. Mm -hmm. So then everything else we talk about, but that's the thing he's talking about it, the proactiveness. And the biggest tip that I can share that has really been a huge positive in my life at home, which has been doing a weekly meeting with my partner. I can't tell you how much it has really like decreased stress and made us be on the same page. Because guess what happens when two people have two very busy schedules? We just assume. So if I, in the weekly meeting, we go over our schedules because sometimes I have a late meeting. Sometimes he has a late meeting. And we just sit there and assume, oh yeah, the other one's gonna pick up the kid or the other one's gonna figure out dinner. But if we don't talk about that, that, that increases the chances of us just fighting about it later on. And at that weekly meeting, exactly how you focus on finances, that's when we talk about, okay, what are the big things we need to get done? What money decisions do we need to make? So that way we kind of hold ourselves accountable instead of just at nine o'clock, oh, babe, by the way, what about da, 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 da. And that happens all the time. I see it all the time. And then the person's like, what? You're throwing them off their game. Or, but when you have a preset time where you're discussing things, for the week ahead with your partner, you're setting everything up for success. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I advocate for something called money dates um, to particularly like have that conversation about money and, and check in with, with your significant other or even yourself. Like, hey, look at your at the week coming up or look at what happened and is there anything that anyone needs to be aware. So yes, we're on the same page with that. I love that. I, I, I think lately it's been for us, you know, when my husband's like, hey, I know I'm running late or today is the day when I need you to drop off Liam. I'm like, no, I have an early meeting. So yes, I, we need to be more in, in sync with like, you know, the schedules. I feel like if you discuss it ahead of time, right, then the expectations are set. And if something changes, then you're like, okay, well, we've had a conversation. It's like, you have a, a lot more of a commitment on their part, right? And the less disagreement. So I love that. Yes. I love that you highlighted it. <laughs> yes, weekly meeting for the win. Everything that's on your schedule that week, meal meals for the week as well. And anything else that just needs to be discussed. I don't try to have my husband decide about things for the home or repairs or this or that just on a drive-by. I just wait until our weekly meeting. I have a notes in my 
phone and I just write it down there. So when we sit down, we're both in the right frame of mind. So if we need to discuss finances and we need to have that money day, we incorporate it all in one. Yeah. Do you guys, how do you, like, is there a day of the week you do it like Sunday or some people do it over like on a Friday to get ready for the next week? Yes. For us, it's Sunday and my little one still naps. And my older one knows that when we have our meeting, that means he gets to have some video game time. So everybody is happy because again, I know myself, I'm telling you by like eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night, I'm out. Do not try to have a conversation with me unless like we pre-planned it basically. But that, and what, that's what I was seeing is my, that's the time my husband's like, oh, let's talk about this. I'm like, no, I can't turn on brain space. And I'm a morning person. He's not. So having, again, know what your life looks like, set it up for success. So don't have that meeting at nine o'clock if that doesn't work for you. Yeah, that's awesome. I'd love for you to tell how everybody can connect with you because I think you have so much, so much to share and, and, and women need to hear more of this. And we also would include in the show notes uh, link to your program because I, I think it's a very interesting um, addition to what we really talk here on this podcast. Yes, absolutely. If you are a working mom, head on over to SashaXHome.com and you could also download the five steps to coming home happy after work so you can feel a little bit lighter and a little bit brighter. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love for you to be part of the community. I have a Facebook group where I go live and give tips and tricks. And that Facebook is called Moms Taking Their Life to the Next Level at Home. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sasha. I, I very much enjoy our conversation and I think everybody would, would as well. Any last minute before we close thoughts? I would just say, let go of the guilt. Life is supposed to be about having fun. So do something, something in the next week that's just for yourself. And that's it. I love it. Thank you so much. Of course. Thanks. Hey, Money Boss, thanks for tuning in today. If this episode did help you, then please be sure to share it with someone else you think will benefit from it too. After all, smart financial decisions are for everyone, uh, so don't be greedy. I hope I can help you even further by sharing with you how thousands of clients I worked with in my career over the last 16 years created their very own successful financial lives on their terms. It's hard for me to do this over an audio, and if you are ready for the next chapter in your life, then be sure to go to MainStreet-Money.com to get your free resource guide to help you begin correcting top six financial mistakes I see people make all the time, such as not having clear financial goals, not having a handle on spending or saving for the future, not knowing how to get rid of all the debts, And of course, not having a clear strategy or plan on how to protect your hard-earned money. Until next time, remember, you are the boss of your money.